I want to take you to the word of the Lord. If you'll go with me to the gospel of John, the sixth chapter. The gospel according to St. John chapter six, and we'll begin our reading at verse number five. John chapter six and verse number five. I love this story because every time I come to it, I feel like God shows me something different. God deals with me in a different way. And I feel like there's a few things that will help us in our walk with God and where we are today as the church. St. John chapter 6, beginning at verse number 5, this is how it reads. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him. Someone say, test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them might have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number of about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. What's amazing to me is they're complaining that they have nothing, but then Jesus starts moving, and everybody can have as much as they want. Something happens when Jesus steps on the scene. How many of you know that to be true? Jesus is a game changer. Look at somebody tell them, Jesus is a game changer. Everything changes when Jesus shows up. Verse 12, so when they were filled, again, they didn't have enough. They were worried about not being able to have sufficient resources, and now everybody's full. He said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. I want to minister to you for a few moments from the subject the Lord has laid upon my heart. We've entitled this simply, The God Who Meets the Need. The God Who Meets the Need. I know that there are people in this room today that have come with a need in their life. I'm here to tell you that there is a God in this place that can meet your need. Oh, I, I wish I had a witness in this place that can testify that there's a God that knows how to meet people's needs. It may be financial, it may be physical, it may be spiritual, it may be emotional. I don't know what the need is, but there is a God who can meet the need. All throughout the Old Testament, God revealed himself to his people, utilizing different names. You see, it's not enough to know about God. But in the scriptures, through these revealed names, we can become intimately acquainted with him. When you understand the meaning of these names that were revealed in scripture, then you will understand his character and his heart towards his people. He came to be known as El Elyon, which literally means the most high God. He's also revealed as El Shaddai, which means the all-sufficient one. 
He also became known as Jehovah Nisi, which is the Lord, my banner. Jehovah Rapha, he also came to be known as the Lord, my healer. He revealed himself to his people as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. He also was known as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, my peace. And then down through the prophets, he also revealed himself as Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. But if you really want to know who he really is, this Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus in the New Testament because the name Jesus literally means Jehovah saves. I've come to tell you all of these things that we mentioned we find in the Lord Jesus Christ because in Jesus we have everything we need. I'll say that again. In Jesus we have everything we need. God chose to reveal himself to his people in this manner to show us that he is more than able to meet our needs. There's a God in this place that hasn't run out of resources. There's a God in this place that inflation has never and will never affect him. There's a God here who is ready to move and work in your life that has all power and all authority and is more than able to meet the need in your life. The story that we're considering today is known by many as the story of the multiplication of loaves and fish. And rightfully so, because that is in fact what Jesus did. But I believe there's also another revelation in this story about how God chooses to do his miraculous work in our lives. So for a few moments today, I want us to look closely at this God who meets the need. The first thing I want us to notice, number one, is that the feeling of not having enough should never stop us from participating in God's work. Go with me to verses 5 through 7 again of the scriptures that we read in John chapter 6. The Bible says, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? What's interesting to me is that Jesus was preaching. He was teaching in a remote location, sharing the word of God, and some time had passed. And yes, Jesus is God, and, and I can imagine he was, he's, was very spiritually perceptive, but there must have been some type of movement or action in the crowd that led Jesus to believe these people are hungry. I'd like to believe that some of those folks started looking hungry. How many of you know what, what it looks like to be hungry? Some folks, he just he's looking, you know what, that, he looks like he's hungry. She looks like she could use something to eat. They, they look like it's lunchtime. So Jesus must have been preaching. And he, I don't know if he just perceived it in the supernatural or, or, or people just started giving off the fact like, Jesus, you've been preaching a while and we're hungry. So he doesn't ask the people. He's preaching and all of a sudden he stops and he looks at Philip and says, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? 
Verse 6, but this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. And so he asked them, where do we get the bread to feed all these people? And so Philip, I can imagine, Jesus asked Philip because I believe Philip was one of those guys that was always kind of organizing things and putting things together. So Philip starts making calculations. And he comes to the conclusion, all right, Jesus, if we pick up an offering among these people, we'll probably pick up about $200. That's how he's thinking. Where did he get that number? He's calculating, okay, if this person gives this in the offering, and if this person gives that, then we could probably collect about 200 denarii, and that will not be enough to feed everybody. Maybe everybody would get a little bit. And so he's making these calculations, and he says, Jesus, picking up a good offering won't be enough. And so the scripture here is clear that Jesus asked him this question to test him. Somebody say it's just a test. The, the, the test was not to see if he could answer the questions. The test was to see if he really knew the one who was asking the question. Jesus didn't ask him expecting a certain answer. Jesus asked him to see, do you know the one that's asking you this question? Do you really know who I am? I'm the mighty God. I'm the creator of the universe. I'm the healer. I'm the deliverer. I'm the supplier. He did it to test Philip. Because the scripture says he already knew what he was going to do. How many of you know that before you and I ever see a situation coming, God already knows what he's going to do? We may not be privy to those details. And that's why we struggle many times in our Christian walk. Because we forget that before the problem ever develops, God's already know what he's going to do. Before that situation ever comes to your life, before that dilemma ever plagues your home, God's already had it already worked out. It's just a test. And what I love is that in the Bible, when God asks a question, it's not just that he has the answer, but all throughout the scriptures, whenever God asks the question, it's because he was the answer. Oh, you missed it. I'll say it again. Every time God asked a question, it wasn't because he had the answer. It was because he was the answer. Oh, you don't believe me? Let's, let's take a little walk through the Bible real quick. In the Garden of Eden, God walks into the Garden of Eden. He says, Adam and Eve, where are you? Why would God ask him a question if he already knew the answer? He knew where they were. They were outside of his presence. They were hiding from him. They had done something that they knew they shouldn't have done. They knew it was wrong. God already knew that they had sinned. God already knew that they had messed up. But he asked the question because he was the answer. Can I tell you, wherever, whatever you're looking for, whatever you find yourself in today, God is still the answer. How am I going to get through this dilemma? Jesus. How am I going to make it through this situation? Jesus. How am I going to get out of this trouble? Jesus. How's my family and I going to move forward? Jesus. How am I going to overcome this heartbreak? Jesus. He doesn't have the answer. Jesus is the answer. 
And so he asked Adam the question because he was the answer. Let me give you another example. The Lord asked Abraham, Abraham, is there anything too hard for God? No, no, no. God is asking the question. Because he knew the answer? No, because he was the answer. God was working in Abraham's life, and Abraham didn't see it. Abraham couldn't understand it. Abraham and Sarah, his wife, kept looking at themselves like they were super limited, and it could never happen. And so God says, Abraham, is there anything too hard for God? In other words, is there anything too hard for me? Again, it wasn't because he had the answer. It was because he was the answer. I've come to tell somebody here today, there's nothing too hard for God. But preacher, you don't know the, the, the mess that I'm in right now. You don't know what has happened in my life. Things are spinning out of control. There's so much chaos in my home. Can I tell you, there is nothing too hard for our God. I've got legal trouble, pastor. Uh, I don't think you understand totally what I'm going through. I may not understand everything you're going through, but there's a God in this place that has never met an impossibility. He is the answer. Jesus is what you've been looking for. The third one in the New Testament, Peter and his friends were fishing all night and didn't catch anything. And now they're folding their nets all frustrated and angry and disappointed. They're all sweaty and tired. They've been out there all day. And Jesus goes, uh, uh, hey, guys, uh, do you have anything to eat? That's almost like wrong, isn't it? I mean, I, I read the Bible differently than some folks, and I read that like, Jesus, that's messed up. And they would say, in my neighborhood, that's jacked. That's not right. I mean, you, you know, Jesus, that they got nothing in those nets. I mean, they look hungry. You know that look already, Jesus. Why are you going to even ask the question? It wasn't because he didn't know the answer. It was because he was the answer. He said, guys, I know you're hungry. Guys, I know you're frustrated. Guys, I know you keep coming up with nothing, but I'm here. And because I'm here, not only will I feed you, but I'll give you purpose. I'll give you fulfillment. I'll bring you clarity in the midst of your confusion. I've come to tell somebody, I know you came confused today. I know you came overwhelmed today. I know you came empty today. There's a God in this place that is the answer to your emptiness. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. So, Philip, if you truly knew who was asking you the question, you would look back at him and say, Jesus, what did you have in mind? I know you don't feel like you have enough today, my dear brother and friend, but everything you need is standing right in front of you. I'm not talking about this preacher. I'm talking about this God whose name is Jesus. God was saying, Philip, as long as I'm in the room, everything's going to be all right. Philip, as long as you stick with me, there'll be enough for you and for everybody. I'm talking to somebody here today that's been going after relationships and been going after friends and going after money and going after things. Everything you need is standing right in front of you in the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you, sir. Everything you need is in Jesus. 
But why do we always look everywhere else? There's some folks that will look everywhere else before going to Jesus. Well, let me go to the doctor first. Let me go to the bank first and try to sort it out. Let me go to my family and see if they'll lend me the money. Let me go to my friends and see if they have any ideas how to get me. Let me go consult a lawyer first. Let, let, let me go over here. We'll go everywhere else. And then when all the doors close, maybe we should go to church. Do you still have the pastor's number? I think he's on Facebook. Let's, let's send him a message. Why do we go everywhere else first when we should always start with Jesus? I may not be all that religious, preacher, but, but I know that I need to start with Jesus. Yeah, if you start with Jesus, he'll sort it all out. He'll so, I don't know why I feel in the Holy Ghost, but he wants to sort out somebody's legal trouble in this building right now. Somebody walked into this service with some legal issues. I don't know what they are, but I feel the Holy Ghost talking to me about you. He wants to sort out your legal trouble. He wants to sort out your legal issues. Because why? He is the answer. If that was you, I'd lift my hands and start praising him right now because he's going to sort it out on your behalf. He's advocate. He's the better lawyer than you could ever find. His name is Jesus. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. This should excite us to participate in what God is doing because before you ask, what do I have? You have to ask yourself, who do I have? Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. But, but, but what do I have, preacher? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But, but, but let me ask you, before you ask what do you have, you need to ask who do I have? I have the God who is the owner of all the silver and all the gold. I have the God who said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. I have a God who is, can do the mighty things, who can do the impossible. That's who I have. The second thing, just because we cannot see the plan of God's provision doesn't mean there isn't one already in place. Because Mark's telling of this story says it like this Mark 6 and 38 but he said to them how many loaves do you have go and see and when they found out they said five and two fish Mark's telling of this same miracle shows us what Jesus had in mind Jesus question revealed that he had a plan I've come to tell somebody here today that God always has a plan. Look at somebody tell them God always has a plan. We do things without plans. Some of you even excel without a plan. We're just going to wing it. What are we going to do, daddy? You'll know when we get there. But really what you're saying is we'll find out when we get there. We're good at shooting the breeze. We're good at just, just faking it till we make it. You know, just going to wing it and just see how it goes. And, and, and maybe part of your life has been successful. But either way, God always has a plan. And so no matter where we find ourselves or what we're battling with today, God has a plan. 
Just because we can't see what God is doing doesn't mean that he's not doing anything. He has a plan. Before the people showed up and even got hungry, the provision was where it exactly needed to be. Before Jesus even started preaching, before the people started gathering, there was already a lunch in place. And this is not in my message, but, but if you read the story, the Bible says they were in a deserted place. That means they were in the middle of the desert. They were in a remote place. They were far from anything. And so Jesus says, I need everybody to sit down. I want you to sit the 5,000 people. There's at least five to 10, maybe 15,000 people. I need you to sit them, sit them down in groups. But here's what's amazing to me. They're in the middle of the desert. And all of a sudden, it's in your story. Let me give you the exact scripture so that you know I'm not taking anything out of context. All of a sudden, Jesus tells them to sit down. And the Bible says, there was much grass. Verse number 10, there was much grass in that place. This is amazing because you're in the middle of the desert. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, sit down. And everybody notices, there's grass everywhere. Where did the grass come from? Jesus knew. That 10 to 15,000 people were going to need a place to sit and have lunch. So he put grass there before they ever showed up. And it was fully grown, comfy for everyone to sit down and enjoy the lunch that Jesus had already prepared. What am I trying to say? Nothing takes God by surprise. You can lose your job and it doesn't take God by surprise. You can end up in the hospital and it doesn't take God by surprise. Problems can develop at home and it doesn't take God by surprise. Things happen in the world and it doesn't take God by surprise. Why? It's all a part of God's plan. What's going on in the world right now is a part of God's plan. Everything is being set up by the Lord to fulfill what he had already spoken thousands of years before. It's all a part of God's plan. There was already a plan in place. Their hunger didn't take God by surprise. Jesus wasn't preaching and going, oh man, I didn't think about how we're going to feed all these people. I've been preaching for all these hours and maybe they might be hungry. Their hunger didn't take God by surprise. And can I tell you, your need hasn't taken God by surprise either. Before you had a need, your provision was already in place. The young boy's lunch was ready before it was ever needed. That is the kind of God that we serve. He's never caught off guard. He's never taken by surprise. He always has a plan. Okay, preacher, so God has a plan, and the provision is always in place. So how do we tap into the provision? The provision is never revealed until the need is presented. I'll say that again. The provision is never revealed until the need is presented. The lunch was always there. It had been prepared beforehand. And all these people are sitting there and the young man is, he has his lunch on his lap and he's enjoying the good message that Jesus is preaching and all of a sudden they say, hey, Jesus needs your lunch. Okay, here you go. 
And Jesus took five loaves and two fish and fed over 10,000 people with it. But the provision was never revealed until the need was presented. Many times God doesn't work in our lives because we never give him our need. Well, if God's a healer, why hasn't he healed me? Have you come up to the altar and asked for healing? If he's a deliverer, why am I still battling with this addiction? Have you ever put yourself in his presence and say, Jesus, I'm tired of this addiction. Would you set me free? When the need is presented, provision is revealed. I'm talking to somebody that God is getting ready to reveal provision into your life, to reveal a miracle in your life, to reveal deliverance in your life, but you've got to present him the need. It wasn't until they got hungry that the lunch was revealed. Many times God is holding on to resources because we won't go to him. We'll go everybody else, everywhere else except for him. And God says, if you'll come to me, I'll release the provision. I have right here what you've been needing for the last 10 years. I have right here what will set your marriage, your mind, and your life in order. But you got to come to me. It wasn't until they started asking, does anybody bring any food? Does anybody have any lunch that the provision was revealed and released? I'm talking to somebody here today that God is waiting. God is ready to show himself powerful in your life, but you're going to bring to him your need. Let me get to the third thing. We must always take inventory. Verses 8 and 9 of John 6 say this. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Jesus was literally asking them, what do you have that I can use? Miracles happen with what we do have, not with what we don't have. What does that mean, preacher? Many times we miss out on the miraculous because we are so focused on what we don't have. On what we're missing. But if you give God what you have, God will bless it and God will multiply it. And so whatever it is that you've got today, I highly recommend that you put it in God's hand. And whatever it is, God will bless it. God will take care of it. Whatever resource it is that you're lacking, God will multiply it. And he'll give it right back to you so that you can go forward with the life that he's already planned for you. God's not asking you what you don't have. Many times we come to him seeking a miracle, presenting what we don't have. Well, I don't have this and I'm missing that. But God says, what do you have? Do you have faith enough to believe? I'll work through that faith. Do you have hope enough? To hold on to, God says, I'll work through that hope. Whatever you have, give it to him and watch him multiply it. But you got to be careful because there will always be Andrews who will try to minimize what you have. Jesus said, Philip, go look. Philip comes back and says, I found some lunch. I mean, I don't know for what it's worth, but here you go. And Andrew is not even part of the problem or the solution. How many of you know folks that always insert themselves into every situation? 
I know you don't know anybody, anybody like that, but, but there's some folks that always seem to have a problem for every solution. They always seem to have the financial advice that you need that doesn't work for them. They got relationship advice for you for days, but they're as single as a Pringle. Somebody's like, I know somebody like that. I'm going to text them right now and say, my pastor's talking about you. You should have came to church. Here's Andrew. Andrew, is, he's, just, he's just there, and, and he sees what's going on. He goes, man, I, I got to say something because that, that's not enough. That, that's not good enough. Jesus can't do anything with that. It's just a small lunch. But can I tell you what others minimize, God multiplies? Oh, you're, you're not hearing me. You're, you're not hearing me. What others try to minimize, God has the power to make greater and better and fulfill his purpose. God can't use you. you. You you've messed up too much. You've got a past. God said, "Well, other minimize. I'll multiply and I'll do something great. I'll do something awesome. I'm just going to put it in God's hands." Don't listen to the Andrews of this world that are constantly trying to don't, don't get baptized. You're going to struggle. Don't try to be apostolic. That that life is too hard. It's not for you. You start a business? Yeah, right. You start being used of God with a powerful ministry? I'll see it, and then I'll believe it. They're always trying to minimize what you have. But I love the attitude of Jesus because Jesus doesn't even respond to Andrew. He could have. And if I was Jesus, I would have. But thank God I'm not Jesus. And you better thank God I'm not Jesus. Jesus didn't even pay any attention. He completely ignored Andrew. And that's how you and I are going to make it in our walk with God. We just got to ignore the noise. But this is what they said, Pastor, who cares? You just grab your children and you go forward. But my family told me this. You love your family, you pray for them, but you go forward because God has some plans to multiply and maximize what others are minimizing. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. My responsibility is to take inventory of what I have and give it to God. Let me hurry because I'm almost done. Number four, we give thanks for what we do have, not complain about what we don't have. Look at verses 10 and 11 with me of John 6. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. Again, remember what I told you. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. What is powerful to me is that in the middle of a great need, Jesus gives thanks. He's standing in the middle of a dilemma and he stops and gives thanks. Why? The heart of thanksgiving will always prepare the atmosphere for the miraculous. 
Thanksgiving has a way of setting the atmosphere in your life. In other words, being grateful has the power of setting up the atmosphere in your home, in your situation, so that God's miraculous power can work. Our problem is we won't stop complaining long enough to give him thanks. Well, if I had a different husband, if I had a better wife, if my kids were more well-behaved, if I had a better job, if I lived in a better neighborhood, if I had this or I had that, we're so busy complaining that we won't just stop and thank God for what we do have. Maybe I don't have the perfect job, but I got a job. Maybe my family doesn't have it all together, but I have a family. Maybe there's things in my life that are out of sort, but I still got life. I still got breath. I highly recommend somebody in this room stop complaining and give them thanks. And watch how gratitude will change the environment of your life, change the situation so that the miraculous can flow. I believe with all of my heart that the reason many times we don't see the miraculous is because we're too busy complaining. Well, what about this, Pastor? What about this? What about that? What about the world? What about the world? Jesus, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. I mean, my life is not where it should be, but I thank God that I'm here. I thank God that I still got my mind. I thank God that I still got life inside of me. I thank God that I still got an opportunity to serve him and live for him. How does this attitude of gratitude release God's power? Let me show you real quick. If the musicians would come, I'm finishing. Why, how does this release God's power? God knows if you can thank him in the middle of the need, you will thank him after the miracle. You missed it. I'll say it again. God knows if you can thank him in the middle of the need, you'll thank him after the miracle. God is saying, I can trust this person with a blessing because they're thanking me when they don't have one. They're thanking me in the middle of darkness. They're thanking me in the middle of lack. So if they'll thank me now, they'll thank me later. I wonder if there's somebody in this room that has walked into the sanctuary with a need that can lift up your hand and thank him now. Thank him for the blessing. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his power. Thank him for his faithfulness. Because if you can thank him now, God will trust you with his greatness and you'll thank him later. Why would God bless you now when you can't thank him for what you already have? You can't thank him for the Ford, but you want the Mercedes. But pastor, it's just a Ford. Thank him for the Ford. Whatever year it is, it got you here, thank him for it. Because God says, look at how excited he and she gets with this. And I've got so much more that I'm going to give them. If they can thank me now, I know they can thank me later. Oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Thank him for the apartment. 
Thank him for the two bedroom. Thank him for the neighborhood you live in. Because God's going to bless you in a great way. If you thank him now, you'll be able to thank him later. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody throw your hands up right now and give God praise and thank him for what you currently have. I'll thank him in the middle of a need. I'll thank him in the middle of lack. I'll thank him for what I have right now because I know that I'm going to be giving him praise later. I'm trying to help somebody because there's some folks that are about to get so blessed you're not hearing me you gotta hear the Holy Ghost there's some people in this room that are gonna get so blessed that your family's not even gonna believe it your co-workers and neighbors aren't even gonna believe it there's some church folks that aren't even gonna believe it why? because you've learned to thank him for what you have now let me give this to you as I wrap this up if you're not grateful for what you have you will never be grateful for what you want. If you'll stop complaining and thank him, the atmosphere of your life will change and the miraculous will start to operate. But that's why we don't see much more because we won't thank him for less. And so if you'll stop and say thank you because when you start thinking God you know what begins to happen you actually start realizing I don't deserve this I deserve to be on the side of the road somewhere I deserve to be behind bars I deserve to be six feet under the ground right now but that's why people don't thank God and it's a lot easier to complain but when you start thanking him you start realizing I don't deserve anything that I have Thank you for my house, Jesus. Thank you for my car. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your church. Yeah, I don't have everything yet, but I thank you for what I do have. And when God begins to unleash the blessing on your life, he'll be able to trust you with it. They ate as much as they wanted. God's goodness is released when there's a spirit of thanksgiving. Would you stand with me today? Gratitude releases God's goodness. I'll say it again. Gratitude releases God's goodness. And here's the message today. Here's where I wanted to get to with this message. Number five. We are the answer. To someone's prayers we are the answer to someone's prayer that little boy probably carried that lunch many times before it was the same sandwich in that brown paper bag that he carried every day but he didn't realize that on that day his little lunch was the answer to someone's prayers. 
that thing that had been minimized by others was the answer for a multitude. I've come to tell this church and the Holy Ghost today that PFAC is the answer to somebody's prayers. Oh yeah. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost. This church in this community is the answer to somebody who's praying right now. Somebody's praying right now. I wish I could go to a place where I could be welcomed. I wish there was a place that I could heal. I wish there was a safe place I could take my children. I wish there was a place that could help us work through the issues of our life. We are the answer to somebody's prayers. So let's not take lightly what God has given us. Let's not take lightly where God has placed us. Because while you are complaining for what you have, someone's asking God for what you want. Someone's asking God to move in their life with what you and I have today. And so PFAC, when you start realizing we're the answer to someone's prayers. You're going to see somebody tomorrow that God's going to use you to minister to what you're the answer to their prayers. Your testimony, all that you've been through and all that you're currently going through is going to minister to so many people because this is the God that meets the need. And how did God meet the need? By with what that young boy had. How is God going to meet the need in this last hour through this church? Through you, through me. How are we going to reach this world? Through us. God's chosen us to be the answer to somebody's prayer. So in this room here today, you've got a need in your life. There is something that you are struggling with in your life right now, and you need God to meet that need, whatever it is. I want you to come and stand at this altar right now.